back to Baby's Bumps and Bullshit. My name is Janelle. I am the owner of Reclaim Maternity Baby Kids, a secondhand and sustainable shop in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. You can find us online at www.reclaimsaskatoon.ca. I am going to have a podcast today, as I do every week. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to my podcast. Correct. I come correct. Is that a thing? Can I pull that off? Probably not. I come correct. Isn't that a thing that people say? I've never heard that in my entire life. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, Today, we're going to talk about parenting with privilege. It is September 30th, and if you are in Canada, that is the National National Truth and Reconciliation Day. We wear orange today. Um, It is a federal holiday. Schools are closed, um, and we take time to reflect on all the children who never made it home from residential schools or other kidnappings, let's face it, other kidnappings. Um, So we're going to talk about parenting with privilege and our different experiences growing up and how we are raising our families and living our lives as grown-ups. I am joined by Nicole. (laughs) Size. Heavy size. She's not here against her will. Um, And Gabby. Gabbyona. Hello. For those of you who have not listened to a podcast before, Nicole is our head of social media and PR, and Gabby is our head of inventory control. So without them, the store would cease to exist. It would just be me crying over piles of clothes. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I'm glad that my sadness is funny to you. Um, we're kind of just going to start off the conversation and just kind of see where it flows. Um, I think we should just do like a quick introduction of like, how we were raised best if we just kind of introduce ourselves and um, just kind of a quick little snapshot of where and how you were raised. Um, Yeah. Just to kind of get a good, good vibes. I can go first. Okay. So I was raised in a white household. Uh, My parents were still together. They were married when I was born. They're still married now happily I think I assume Uh, (laughs) as far as I know um I really wanted for nothing as a child I grew up in a upper middle class household I went to a school where there was one non-white child my whole time no (laughs) (laughs) um and then in high school again pretty white um where did you go what school? I went to Lawson Heights School. I don't know. Do you know what the computers possess? That's okay. That's okay. Um, I went to Lawson Heights School, which is in the North End. That's where my parents still live by. Um, and then for high school, I went to Marion Graham okay. as well. Yeah. Your turn, Gabs. Oh, me? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So I grew up in Confed. Um, I went to Bishop Arborecki. Uh My parents are still together. So, um, my father is Métis, my mom is white, um, and so, yeah, growing up in Confed, um, was, I think, probably the best experience for me, like, as a child, because when we moved to Warman, um, it was very white. (laughs) Um, It wasn't diverse. Yeah, it was zero diversity, um, and I honestly like remember walking into like my fourth grade class being like what the hell is going on here like I was so confused like um you know because when I grew up in confed I think I had one white friend Um, really yep the uh, the rest of my friends were um either from Philippines or were um indigenous so yeah and just to clarify if you're not familiar with our city um confed is what would you classify confed as like it's a very diverse neighborhood yeah like it's um yeah a very diverse yeah 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 it's a diverse neighborhood Mm -hmm. yeah oh go for it okay Uh, hello um sorry Mm -hmm. if this is long um my name is nicole i don't need to say that i don't know why i say that every time okay um i grew up in the philippines what's your name sorry nicole hello sorry (laughs) (laughs) oh my god why did i call for that Um, I grew up in the Philippines. My parents are no longer together. There is a cheating scandal. Sorry, just kidding. Um, I I lived um, with my grandparents and my mom and um, 
the way I was raised, my grandparents were very comfortable. Um, so like, what do you mean comfortable? Well, they were rich. Okay. There you go. (laughs) And I was primarily raised by nannies and they were busy people. (laughs) They were comfortable. Like they were soft to sit on. Um, and yeah, so, and then for my last year of high school, I moved to an international school. So I had, it's what it is. What is an international school? Basically, there's a lot of like foreigners in the Philippines too. So um, like okay. a lot of Koreans actually in my city. So we had like in my class, I had Koreans and Australian people. And so like basically, if you, it just makes it easier to transition if you first move to the Philippines because then all the other people that go to your school okay. are, you know, of other countries. <laughs> yeah. Here. yeah. So it's like okay. easier, especially if you go to somewhere where you don't know the language, it's just, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then I moved to Canada. Um, I moved to the Paul Manitoba, which is a really small town um, of like, I don't know, 6,000 people or something. Mm-hmm. And it's um, predominantly white. So I think I was the only, yeah, I was the only Filipino girl in my graduating class. My mom is Filipino Chinese. My dad is Filipino. Um, the majority of your class is white in the paw. Yes, um, because there's oh, a really? school in in um, in OCN. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, there's yeah. There's a big indigenous community around the paw, but yeah, if they have their own, um, yeah, if but they I, have a school on there. Yes. Okay. Never mind. But we I still guess. had indigenous kids in my class. It's just most of the people were white. In Interesting. My, yeah. Um, that's that's my history. I guess that's your history. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm just going to dive in with some questions. Do you feel like you carry the same beliefs regarding – let's back up. Let's back, back up, up again. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about this in the car, so I have an unfair advantage. Oh, this is rude. Of you, but I like to keep it that way. What does privilege mean to you? Oh, this is- yeah. I can give you my definition. Okay. Because I I'll give you 15 seconds when I had a day. Um, so my definition of privilege would be the ability to access and participate in society without barrier. So whether that is, you know, applying for a job and having the computer and the printer and the know-how and the car to go out and do that, or the privilege to stand up for an injustice without fear of repercussion or simply just to walk down the street without someone saying, like, hey, your headscarf looks stupid. Like, there's so yeah. many. Like, just to live without barrier, I guess, would be my definition of privilege. I'm copying hers. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, there's nothing else I, I could say that could even remotely be as good as – like, that's the perfect definition Amazing. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Gabs? Yes, I mean, I <laughs> agree. Not to take the, the easy way out, but I mean – yeah, like you said, you've had like a few more moments to ruminate on your mm-hmm. definition. So yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. So then with that definition in mind, do you still carry the beliefs and like the preconceived notions that your family kind of raised you with about privilege and whatever that meant to them? Do you carry that into your adult life or have your perceptions of privilege and how you can contribute to the world have they changed in the past 30 ish years we'll go 25 because nicole is not even 25 so are you i'm 23 you're 23 girl yes it was my champagne birthday in november you turned 23 on the 23rd you are so fucking phenomenal human being oh 23 that's my age i can't no it's not my child okay we're on a tangent. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so the past, like, from when you're raising to now, um, yeah. Go for it, Gabs. Oh, okay. Let's dive in. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry, my brain feels a little scrambled, but um, <laughs> it's interesting. I feel like growing up, like, I didn't, we didn't talk about privilege. Like, I didn't know really what that was until even like a few years ago. Okay, <laughs> same. So, um, yeah, I mean, my definition has changed over the years. And as I, you know, or the way that I look at privilege, it changed, it's changed as the more I educate myself and the more I listen to what other people have to say and their experiences and whatnot. Um, do you feel like you grew up with privilege? Let's go there too. Do you feel like you grew up with privilege? And if so, mm-hmm. what kind of privilege? 
Well, yeah. Um, oh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> You're like, yes. Yeah. Hey, no, wait. <laughs> no, yes, I have. Obviously it's like, you know, my parents, um, you know, it's not like I haven't struggled in, in my life or like our family hasn't struggled, but, um, you know, I grew up with two parents who are, you know, are still together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that is a privilege in itself. Um, oh, that's really nice. I grew yes. up with like a very tight knit family. So like, if you just think about, sorry, I think I just shot an elastic bag oh. in your head. <laughs> that's okay. It didn't hit me in the eye. So it's fine. Um, Good, cause we don't have eye care. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. But, um, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, I grew up with my family being really close knit. So, um, you know, I had the privilege of getting to spend a lot of time with my grandparents. Like they were kind of like my second caregivers so Uh we always kind of look at my grandparents as like mom and dad Uh because we spent so much time with them so I had the privilege of being able to be with my family like when my Uh parents were away at work um you know I didn't have to go to daycare or um you know go to um like a school daycare or anything like that Uh um for the most part um yeah, and I mean, when, when I was, like, nine, we moved to um, Warman, which was, um, I would say, a lot, a lot of privilege lives there. <laughs> just disclaimer, Warman, just, just, just yeah. for people who don't live in our community, um, Warman is just, Basically it's like, a suburb. yeah, it would be like the Mississauga to Toronto kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so, again, um, really no non-white people lived there when we moved there when I was about nine. Um, and we moved into a really nice house, a huge upgrade from where we were living in, um, confed. Um, but (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I will, I don't know. I'll let somebody else talk (laughs) for now. Um, I forgot my own question. I think it was like, did you grow up with privilege? privilege? Um, yes, I would say yes from multiple perspectives, like same with Gabby, super close knit family. My parents are still together. I had a sibling. Um, like we got along as well as siblings could at that stage in our lives. Um, I don't ever remember wanting for anything, which I think as a child, you acclimatize to your environment really quickly. Like I, it was like, Oh, I need new shoes. I want those shoes. I want this. It would be like the typical, for our family anyway, it would be like, what's reasonable? I'd be like, okay, you don't need new shoes kind of thing. Versus like on the weekends, I can remember every weekend as a child, we would go to the mall, we would go shopping. And that was like our normal. Mm-hmm. And so now as a grown up with my own children, I'm like, hell no, we're not going to the mall. You think I made a fucking money? Like we don't need to just be consuming. Um, so things like that, that I look back, I'm like, wow, that is really, and like spending like every weekend, like traveling for a sports team, Mm -hmm. things like that, that are like for a lot of, um, families and communities is super normal. Like, Oh, little Ricky plays hockey. So does my guy. Are you guys in Swift current next weekend? For sure. Let's grab breakfast while the boys go for their morning skate. That in itself is privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some kids who like dream of that shit. So, um, I definitely don't remember wanting for anything as a child um so I definitely definitely grew up with privilege and I think that in itself um growing up in a white conservative upper middle class neighborhood really lent itself to um mm, a lot of biases Mm. on my part um not like on my part but just the conversation around you on the conversation of, you know, all of my friends were white. All their parents were white. You go to a barbecue and everyone's talking, <laughs> everyone's talking about white people shit, you know, like, how's your lawn, Dave? Oh, mm-hmm. potato you know, salad. Potato salad. <laughs> yes. You know, like wine coolers. It's very like vanilla. Um, and I can paint myself with that brush because I'm the one holding the paint. Um, but even those conversations in itself, if anything would ever turn political or, um, cultural is the wrong thing but if there was you know something that was affecting maybe a certain ethnicity or a certain minority in the city it was always like oh those people (gasps) versus like oh like our community is 
struggling, maybe we should, you know, afford these resources. Like I can think of, oh, I could delve in. We'll save it. But things that don't affect you as a person seemed to be like, that has nothing to do with us. And they should figure it out. They should stop having a substance abuse problem. They should stop being homeless. Well, I don't think they is wanting to be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, that is, Nicole, did you grow up with privilege? Um, In the Philippines, I'd say yes. Um, Sorry. Like, uh, my family had all the resources that we need, ties with government, things like that. Like money. You're in with the Philippine government? No, like it's just so corrupt there that it's, <laughs> if you have money that you can. Like my grandma has a professional driver's license. She's never driven in her entire life. She's always just been driven around. Like things like that. You could just pay and like we would never get in trouble for anything. I feel like because you can just bribe your way out of. Not that we were doing illegal things. We just sell jewelry. Um, <laughs> we just sell drugs. Um, um, so yeah, like in the sense in the Philippines, like I, I don't ever remember having really to work my biggest problem really was growing up was just like that I was severely bullied but like at <clears throat> home like I never had to worry about chores we had housekeepers that would do that for me mm-hmm. I never had to worry about like oh like can my mom buy these shoes for me? like I mm-hmm. I feel like that was never a problem and then we moved to Canada and then I had to start from ground zero and it feels it was like a reality check for me that like yo this is not how people live yeah um why was it such a reality check? I just want to dive into this a little bit, just because we have a lot of people who maybe this they weren't born here, they're immigrated, whatever. What was the difference in, was it because you guys never longer lived with your grandparents? Yeah, like my mom, I'm going to call her out, but she's very spoiled. Like she okay. was, said the silver spoon. Is that the thing? I don't know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, is that why you say silver spoon in their mouth? Because you were fed with a silver spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like in the Philippines, she she only really worked, I think, maybe for two years of my entire childhood. And then she was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of... But then she still had nannies. So she, like, everything she wanted was handed to her okay. pretty much. Um, and then we had to move here and she had to get a job. And we had to live in an apartment. And gotcha. Okay. All these things. And people, like, I don't go to a school with Filipinos anymore. Like, people will treat me differently. My, You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's completely... It's a completely different scenario than from one. It's a culture shock. So, Mm -hmm. yes. Amazing. Your life is so interesting. Me? I love it. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, Okay. So a little bit of backstory on lifestyle updates because we have listeners who have kids, listeners who don't have kids. I have twin boys. They just turned two. Nicole has a two-year-old now. Say one year old who just turned two. She has one child who just turned two. And Gabby is living that child free Auntie Gab's life. Mm-hmm. She has a partner. They have a cozy little place. So different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Um, and also different living situations. I think that's. Mm-hmm. Um, so I own my own home. I own a condo. Nicole and her partner are renting, leasing, mm-hmm. renting. renting. And Gabby and her partner are saving up for their forever home. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think that's just important to have backgrounds on mm-hmm. that kind of stuff too. So I'm just going to tell a story and this was my first true experience with like my first direct experience with racism and injustice and, um, privilege. And it was so bizarre. So I work for social services, um, for, as a youth care worker, mental health crisis worker, all that good stuff. So when I was doing my practicums and my internships, I did one for an emergency receiving home for little ones under 12 years old. Um, and it was, um, primarily indigenous. It was run by, um, the, uh, not FSIN, maybe FSIN, FSIN. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the governing body. And like, there was a cookum who would come in and they had elders who would come in and tell stories and stuff like that. So it was really, um, trying to make it as comfortable and as kind of familiar if your little one was apprehended. Um, and so I was doing an internship there and we had to go to the grocery store to get groceries for the house. So I went with the cook and I was like, yes, like let's get our grocery on. So we both had a, um, buggy full of groceries and we go up to the till and like I've spent social services requisitions before. You usually just go up and you're like, here's my rack. And they're like, okay, perfect. Here's your thing. And you go. 
And so to paint you a picture, we're at the till. It's very early in the morning, so there's really no one there. And um, Kakumo's ahead of me. I am behind her because we have two carts. And so she starts loading up the little conveyor belt with whatever groceries. And she lets the cashier know, I have a social services requisition. Um, because then you adjust taxes and things like that. So to make it easier from the get-go. And she's like, oh, we don't take those. And she was like, you do. There's very few places that take social services requisitions that set out. And she's like, yeah, we don't take those here. And I was like, and we're both wearing a lanyard that says like, um, emergency receiving, like it has a logo on it. Like we're, um, have our identification. And she was very, very rude about it. And she stopped scanning things. She's like, we don't take those here. And so, um, the, woman I was with, she's like, maybe do you want to grab your manager? Like, maybe you just don't know. Cause sometimes, you know, you might not know what a voucher is or whatever. So she's like, okay, I'll call him over. She's like, do you want to wait over there? And I can check this lady through all my managers coming over me who is behind her. And so she says this kind of all in one thing. She's like, do you want to wait over there? while my manager comes, she's like, I can check you through with the biggest smile on her face to, to me. And it was just like, she instantly turned from like cold, hard racist bitch with her like minority glasses on to, Oh, there's a white lady. She probably has money. And I was just looked at her and I held up my badge. and I was like, we're together. Like this is same. Mm -hmm. And then, Oh, it just makes me want to cry and barf at the same time. As soon as I did that, she's like, let me go get my manager. And she walks over to the desk instead of calling her manager. And she's like, this young lady, and her friend have a voucher to set to to spend, and she was so kind, and everything was immediately taken care of, and like I have goosebumps right now because it makes me so fucking mad, because that is the only time I have experienced something like that, and it wasn't even my experience, like I was tertiary to that experience, mm-hmm. and I, so they bring us through, and you know got the groceries, whatever, whatever, and when we're walking onto the car, I would I had to say something because I was like that's the first time I've experienced something like that. And I was like, I can't imagine experiencing that every fucking time you go out. Like it makes me, Oh fuck. Like if that was my kid, like if I was at the grocery store and my kid was there and they're like, yeah, we don't do that here for you. You better fucking start again. Start over. Like it just, it makes my skin crawl that people decide the value of other people based on their skin color, what they're wearing their preconceived notions of a certain ethnicity like it just (sighs) so after that happened I definitely took kind of like an introspective look at my role I guess and so like in that scenario I could have just kept my mouth shut and be like oh like I work here too but in like holding out my little badge being like we're together Like, we are, like, in every sense of that word, like, we are together. Like, we were working together. We are for the same cause. And, like, these are two people who are trying to get groceries for children who have been apprehended from their homes for sexual abuse, neglect. Like, one little boy that I worked with, he had cigarette burns on his penis. He was two. Shit like that, that it's, like, the (laughs) social services doesn't pay well, first of all. So if you have people who are going into a profession because they care and because they want to help. And that is the fucking barrier is a grocery store clerk was a stick up their ass. Mm -hmm. That pisses me off. So that definitely made me take another look at things like next time I'm in public, if I see something like that, or, you know, you're in the lineup and someone's being rude to look at it through another lens and say, my privilege in this situation is that I am white and using that like privilege is power. So saying something and speaking up because that is to me, the basis of privilege. It's not like, okay, like I'm privileged. Yeah, you are privileged, but you have to use that. If you have privilege, you need to prove it. Mm-hmm. And I think like that whole situation just like affected me so much. Cause I'm like, I can't even imagine like the one indigenous kid who went to my school, 
How fucking, like, you, like, that is kind of, like, your situation going to a new school with all white kids. Yeah. Like, walking in and just feeling like, I am the wrong flavor. (laughs) You know, like. And, I mean, it was different for me because I am, like, white passing. Yes. You know, but just coming from, like, um. Yeah, so anyways, what if you guys can't see me right now, but um I come We'll from, put a picture. <laughs> this is Gab. <laughs> I come from like my family is Metis. Um my dad is Metis. Um but my mom is white. Uh so I have a lot of my dad's features and I have a lot of my mom's features, but um yeah, like if you were to look at me, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, this uh lady is indigenous." Um and that's also like another part of my privilege, but anyways, um, I'm getting off track here, but, um, yeah, even just growing up, like, in a, like, in Confed, where, like, white was the minority, um, yeah, and then moving to Warman was just, like, totally, like, it was a cu- culture shock Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think to go off of that, like, the whole shock thing, like, when... Before I worked in social services, um, mm-hmm. that was my cherry swear didn't just fart. Um, before I worked in social services and I had really, um, in my schooling, like we took, um, I think almost like indigenous sensitivities courses and things like that where we're learning about different cultures. And like we had um, some elders come in and we did a storytelling. So like we had to sit down with each other and we would interview each other and then I would have to tell your story. But I would have to do it justice, right? It wouldn't just be like, um, this is Gabby. She's like, yay, hi. (laughs) Boyfriend likes to do computers. Because that is, like, a primary part of that culture, right? Like, that's how, like, heritage and things get passed down. So um, learning those things and having also Indigenous classmates was the biggest benefit ever. Because as a white person with privilege. Like when I was going into one of my internships, I wanted to bring, um, some stuff to make like some crafts. Right. And if I'm going into an indigenous based receiving home, that's what I wanted to bring. But I don't just want to be like the white girl who comes in and is like, Hey, we're going to (laughs) bead. So, and I didn't know how to bring that subject up because it's not coming from a place of like, I'm going to show you how to be your culture. (laughs) It's coming from a place of, okay, I'm working in this receiving home or this agency, and this is the primary focus, and I want to make sure that I can help provide that learning Mm -hmm. experience. And so I actually asked one of my classmates, and um, it turned into a really awesome discussion. And I was like, this is what my hope is, and I just, how do I go about this in a sensitive way? And she's like, girl, like, if you're you're coming (laughs) at it from a good place, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you want to do. But even having those discussions, like, I didn't even know how to bring that up in class. Right? Yeah. Because I don't want to be like, okay, so I'd like to bead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like arts and crafts. I'd like to make, you know, so, um, but back to my thing. Um, yeah, before I worked in social services, like I said, I grew up like all white schools, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was like, when I have kids, I want them to go to a private school. I want them to have a really good education. I want them to be with other, like, affluent children who have, like, good homes and whatever. Don't come for me. <laughs> no, I won't. I but also then, went to private schools growing up. <laughs> um, but then – and that was, like, when I was in my, like, early 20s. Like, when I was, like, hella dumb. Um, and then as I moved through social services and, you know, got a little bit more educated and also was more immersed in not just – white upper class neighborhoods and seeing the benefits of having um ding dong (laughs) the benefits of having people around you who don't look like you who don't talk like you who don't think like you who don't move like you is so fucking important Mm -hmm. that and it was funny a NICU nurse asked me that because she had worked in social services too and the boys were in the NICU and she's like have your opinions changed and I was like yeah, my kids will be going to the school that is closest to our house, that is in our neighborhood, which is kind of Confed adjacent ish. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and Confed is typically lower income. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of lower income housing in there as well. Um, but 
as someone who grew up in the North End, which in our city is a wealthier neighborhood, I would never be like, I want my kids to go to a West Side school. That's my dream. But now my dream isn't location-based. I want my kids to go to a school where they have friends of every ability, friends of every background. Because if you grow up diverse, you will project that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to have to start in their 20s and be like, mm, maybe I should learn about other people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just talked for an hour and a half. I have a question. Yes, please. Because like going to Bishop Robrecki in Confed, um, they had a lot of really great programs. But I wanted to ask you, when you were growing up um, and you were in school in Lawson. Like elementary school. Yeah, in elementary school. Did they have like a lunch program? Oh, nope. No? Okay, so in... Well, we did. Every Thursday we had pizza brought in from Pizza Hut. Oh, okay. (laughs) No. I know that's not what you mean. That's not what I mean. The opposite of that. So that's great for you. But um, (laughs) no. um, Yeah, so our school had like a lunch program. So like if you didn't have a lunch, Mm -hmm. um, you just went to the gym, into the concession stand, and they would give you like a big lunch. Um, Oh, I love that. Yeah, which was really great and you know I don't have kids so I don't know if that's something that they do that they're starting to do in every school um but that was yeah. like something that I didn't realize that like not every school did that that's interesting I um, never that ever even popped into my head yeah so did you have a breakfast program too I don't think we did have a breakfast program but the lunch program was like yeah it was really good and it was like a very um like, it wasn't, like, I don't, like, kids didn't feel embarrassed to, like. I was like, oh, my God, like a, Gabby got bag lunch. Yeah, because it's, like, I don't know, like, the, that's just the, com- like, the community that we lived in. Like, that was, like, the reality for, like, a lot of people, right? So Yeah. Um, well, and kind of, like, speaks to, um, like, the vibe of community. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole, like, kind of, like, no man left behind. Like, oh, you're hungry? We have lunch. Mm-hmm. Versus like, oh, you didn't pay for, you didn't bring a lunch. Well, we have these free ones. Yeah, you know, like it's not looked down upon. I think that like that is important. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. part of it. That's just like even like saying that we got Pizza Hut brought in makes me want to barf. <laughs> pizza Hut. I remember us get, having like that type of stuff in Warman, um, but I don't remember having that stuff like in in Confed. And that's honestly that's how like that's how schools should be. Because equality is not equity. Like, just because you can bring your lunch. No, hang on. That should be what is typical, right? You shouldn't feel like, oh, mm-hmm. I have to go get my poor people lunch and then, yeah. <laughs> my um, <laughs> and, like, that kind of goes to um, now in our city, parents are having to pay a fee. For their elementary school kids, high school is different because it's just a lawless swamp. But um, before teachers would supervise the lunch hours, right? Like it would be like every other week, like Miss Johnson is on lunch duty and they'd supervise the lunchroom and whatever. But now parents are having to pay, I think it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks for the year, 100 bucks for the year um, to go towards fees to pay for lunchroom supervisors. And so if you are a parent who is sending your child to school who is relying on the lunch program because you are having trouble making ends meet to send your child to school with food, how the fuck are you going to pay $100 extra to have someone watch your kid mm-hmm. at a school that you already pay for in your taxes to be teaching your kid? Yeah. Oh, I got a lot of feelings about that. Oh, I know. That just, like, reminds me of – so growing up in Warman um, – there was a kid in my grade whose um, sister would pay for their, um, like, their school supplies or school and what is like it? Like, tuition? Like tuition or, or whatever. the Registration. Fee, registration. Yes. And, you know, coming from a place of privilege, I always thought, oh, that is so weird that, like, her sister pays for her. Was the sister also in school? No, well, she was, like, older. Mm. So this okay. would have been in elementary school. Okay. Um, 
you know, but it's like obviously their family dynamic was different. Like I'm assuming mm-hmm. that her sister was probably like her guardian then at this time. Gotcha. And like I just hadn't really seen that before and I just remember it being kind of like this like weird thing, you know, mm-hmm. but it, which is like you know, just reflecting back on it now, I'm like, oh, wow, like, how privileged am I that, like, you know, my parents could afford that, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, like, that what, yeah, I don't know. I think that comes from, sorry, do you want to dive in at all? You're good. Okay. No, I'm good. Um, Comes from, and I, we did a whole thing on this when I was in school, but, like, just what is a family? And I think, like, when I was little, because I'm the oldest at this table, it was mom and dad. Mom and dad married is a family. Like, I can remember watching Friends with, I'm calling you out, Karen, (laughs) with my parents. And it was, like, the um, season where Rachel gets pregnant and Ross is the dad and they're not together. And it was, like, I don't know if I can't remember if it was a fling or whatever. Um, But that kind of whole season where it goes through her pregnancy and them kind of, like, figuring out whatever it is they're going to do. And I can remember, and I don't remember word for word, but I remember hearing it and... I remember my mom thinking, I don't, they shouldn't have this show on the air. No one wants to see a single parent. Like, why are they promoting this? Promoting it. Karen. I know. No, 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 I know. But I think that was the attitude. I was, I don't know how old I was when I came out. I was probably 10-ish when Friends came out. Do you think? 10, 12-ish? I don't think I was in high school. It was 90s, right? It was 90s, yeah. Um, So I would have been like 9 or 10-ish. But that comment in itself has always stuck with me because what is wrong with that? Like that was immediately in my mind. I always remember just thinking like, why would we not promote someone who is going to have a baby and support a person Mm -hmm. who is having a baby? Like it's like, there's like a big piece of like a big pie and it's like, okay, well the slice where you're married is missing. So you're less of a person. The slice where you have a large savings and own your own home is missing. So you're less and you're less and you're less until you're just like a little crumb. And then compared to someone who has a whole pie, you're like, well, fuck. And that person who is a whole pie is like, you're just a crumb, (laughs) you know? So you're less. And like, that has just always stuck with me. And every time I've like met someone who is a single parent or who is maybe their partner works out of town every other week or whatever, and who is um, doing single parent duties for that time. Why aren't we promoting that? Why aren't we promoting someone who is actively participating in the raising of their child mm-hmm. and bettering themselves for society? Like we promote you. Yeah. That just reminded me of something. So my so my dad worked out of town all the time when we were kids. Um, he stopped working out of town or, like, worked out of town less and less by the time I was about, like, 14 or 15. Um, but uh, growing up in Mormon, <laughs> it was... Mormon is uh, getting just Mormon dragged. I'm sorry, but, like, it is what it is. Um, so it was a very, like, religious community also. Um and our neighbors across the street um, were, like, quite religious. And um, <laughs> I remember one time my dad was out of town working, as he w- did every week. Um, and so it was just my mom. And my mom was outside, and she was, I don't know if she was mowing the grass or she was doing some type of lawn work. Mm-hmm. And our neighbor came over and made a comment being like, oh, it must be really hard to be a single parent. But not in the way of, like, oh, I see you're taking on a lot of, like, you know, responsibilities. Like, you got a lot on your plate, like, good for you handling your your shit. It was like, oh, your husband works out of town. and Did they know know he worked out of town? Yes. Okay, okay. (laughs) Also, it's pretty obvious to tell, like, when, like, you know, pick up on your neighbor's, like, Mm -hmm. life habits Mm -hmm. or whatever. But, like, yeah, I mean, I I think probably all of our neighbors around knew that my dad worked out of town. Um. But yeah, just like this weird judgmental, um, yeah, they almost looked at my mom as like a single parent, mm-hmm. you know, and in many ways she kind of was, mm-hmm. but it wasn't in like an, um, a, a, a positive or like uplifting, like kind of way. It was like, they looked down on our family because my dad worked away so much and my mom was yeah. the only one like 
there for the most part. So, yeah. And like, that's so interesting too, because like your dad was also there, but in a different way, like your dad was working to support three other people and keep the house going where your mom was arguably working from home, raising two children and keeping a household. You know what I mean? Like different. I mean, my mom also did work work full time too. So she didn't, she had a job also, (laughs) but, okay, we love this. (laughs) but I mean, yeah, she, then, then she was taking care of us, you know, but, um, so yeah, that's something that I always think about. <laughs> it's interesting those little comments that stick with you. Hey, that mm. you're just like, mm, that's a core memory. Yeah, for sure. You're awfully quiet over there. Oh, well, I, I, I don't know. I didn't I live love- in Warman. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got from Warman. Um, oh, shoot. I had something on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember what it was. One of the things um, we're talking about parenting with privilege is... Um, the differences in how my partner and I grew up, my partner grew up the exact opposite of me. He actually lived kind of close to Gabby, um, moved apartments a lot. He grew up in a single parent household. His mom was his primary caregiver. He has a brother who is just a touch younger than him. Um, and when we decided to start a family, um, we were discussing like if we should move cause we live in a condo, um, arguably a bigger condo like it's a three bedroom we have an office with like a big open concept it's if it had a basement it would feel like a house kind of thing um but i remember saying what about the playroom and he's like the fuck is a playroom and i was like (laughs) okay um first of all it's a giant room where your jungle gym goes where you can have your play kitchen and your baby dolls and your block corner and I kind of went through my whole playroom experience as a child and he just looked at me and he was like I played with my toys on my bed that I shared with my brother and when we were done we put them away and that was our playroom and I was like okay like that conversation has always stuck with me because it's like why is the material aspect of having an extra room important in my child's development it's not it's not. And, like, one of my most fond memories of playing was in my room. Like, I remember I was supposed to be in bed. Sorry, Dad. Because <laughs> he told me, go to bed. It's bedtime. And he tucked me in. And then I remember getting out of bed and I had my dollhouse in my room. Like, that was one of those plastic Fisher-Price ones. Mm-hmm. Like, it was white with, like, a purple roof. And I remember being like, oh, I'm going to play. And I just played for, like, 30 minutes and no one caught me. <laughs> and I was just, like... In my room, I just remember sitting on my floor thinking, like, this is my space. Like, I love this. And it was, like, the only time I ever played in my room because we had a playroom. But I always remember that conversation being, like, okay, I need to adjust my lenses here. Yeah. And figure out what is important. And now, do our kids have a playroom? No. They have a living room with shit all over the place. <laughs> do they love it? Yes. What did my child play with this morning? A rubber boot. They really do play with the darndest things. They play with the stupidest shit. Like, we have a little plastic Easter egg from, like, the first year Skylar and I were dating. Sorry. Like, the crackety, crackety open ones. That is what my kid wants to play with. He carries it around like it is a diamond. And the golf balls. We're not in our golf ball area anymore. They are are lost. We lost the golf balls in air quotes. They're under the couch. Um, So now (laughs) we've moved on to bracelets. They love bracelets. Um... Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. Did you, well, can we talk to you? Let's talk to you for a minute here. Oh, what the heck? Hello. What the heck? Hello, I gotta go. When you came to Canada, um, did you find that there was privilege, like, working against you or maybe just not in your favor? Because you would have been a minority, like, you were in a minority in your community. I don't know... Exactly. I just noticed I didn't see full-on racism until I moved to Canada. Because, like, who are you going to be racist to in the Philippines, right? Like, we're all kind of the same there. <laughs> You're <laughs> the same as me, so I hate myself. Um, <laughs> um, so, I don't know, like, I was on Tumblr growing up, like, in the Philippines and stuff, mm-hmm. so I obviously knew what racism was, and, like, mm-hmm. that was... This is so sounds messed up to say that like social justice was like my thing, but as like mm-hmm. a little girl all the way to like forever. Um, so I, but I'd never seen it. Like in, I feel like I remember going to Shoppers Drug Mart in the Paw. I always used to go with this girl that I, I'm friends with, and she's white. 
and nobody would follow us. And then I would go with my friend that in, that's indigenous and we would always get followed. Which is weird because the white girl was the one that was stealing shit. But they, <laughs> <laughs> but they never caught us. I was not stealing at that Shabbos Drug Mart. I must say, I have to say that out loud. Statute of Limitations has run out on theft for you. Um, You're good. And then, yeah, like, the casual... Ra- I'd never no- seen casual- so much casual racism. I remember driving to the lake with my friends, and they were joking. I forgot what the joke about- was about, but I remember saying, why is casual racism funny? And they went quiet. And, like, I don't know. I feel like everybody was just racist. Um, but I don't... That doesn't answer a question, because I just... No, no, it does. Just, like, random, like, comments here and there. Like, oh, like, what's for lunch today? Cat or... Stuff like that, like go back to your country, like things that are like common and whatever. Um, but I don't know exactly. Like I don't know. Yeah, Kate. On that, no, we're going. We're not stopping oh, now. Okay. The topic of cats. Sorry. <laughs> Anytime I hear someone talk about a cat, I just think of that scene from Meet the Fockers when whatever whoever Ben Stiller's character is, he's like, "Yeah, you can milk anything." You can milk a cat. Like, Could you milk me, Greg? Could you milk me? <laughs> Anywho. There, yeah. Um, so there's the, the chest feeding component of this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, confrontation with racism and with, like, if you see that in public, like, do you have a barrier or, like, a threshold of, like, okay, if this circumstance happens, I'm getting involved. Or a circumstance where you're, like, okay, if this is going on, it is not – I'm not getting involved because, like, I have a threshold for that. So, like – and I've gone over this in my head so that I know should a situation arise, I'm, like, prepared. So, like, if I'm with my kids and there is, like, a social injustice – like, say if I was – came across that situation with the cashier being rude to my um, – I don't – what she, she was, like, my supervisor kind of yeah. thing. Um I would have said something if I was with my kids. Had it been a conversation between two gigantic grown men, I might not have said something. So, like, that's my kind of, like, threshold is who am I with and who is this involving? Um, Do you guys have, like, a threshold or anything like that for when you would speak up? Or do you even feel comfortable, like, addressing something like that in public? I be talking. Um, one thing about I, I do believe that. <laughs> one thing about me is I do be talking. Um, yeah, but I guess I haven't experienced that with Violet. So true. Again, yeah, so I don't because usually I I should be saying something. Um, also, because well, usually not when it's towards me, but when it's towards other people, which is fine. Um, yeah, I guess I haven't thought about like what, but I feel like if I yeah, if it's two grown men and I'm five foot one and with my little baby, tiny baby, mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'd be a little scared. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you, Gams? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question, and I think it depends on what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Like, um, obviously, if I feel like I'm in a position where I can say something and not be worried for my own safety Mm -hmm. um yes absolutely um and i hope that i would Mm -hmm. um yeah but i agree and i think that's one thing too is people like you hope you would Mm -hmm. but then again for your own safety and stuff like that and i always think back to like if my kid was with me and i'm looking at through their lens so say we're at the grocery store and someone goes up to gabby it's like well you look white so (laughs) Whatever. I don't know what the circumstance is, but someone (laughs) thinks you're white and they're being rude to you. And if I'm my little, one of my little toddlers in that situation, how are they going to remember this interaction? Mm -hmm. Are they going to remember it as, oh, well, people are mean sometimes Mm because they just get to decide to, or is it, oh, someone was rude to Gabs and mommy said, that's Mm. not nice. No, no, no. We stand up for our friends. Mm -hmm. You know, like how do, and that's the thing that I want to impact is like I want to raise my babies to love your babies exactly and that's I think that's privilege Mm -hmm. go what were you gonna say (laughs) no um I was just gonna say like that just reminds me sorry I feel like I could talk about this for no we literally could because it's Um, and it's important that we are um 
but that just reminds me like so when I was growing up um in Confed, I had my one white friend um her mom or her parents had said something racist about indigenous people uh-huh. in front of me <gasps> and I so my mom wasn't there this was when I was like playing at, at their house and I went home and I don't like I don't remember this but this mm-hmm. is like my mom like was telling me this and I went up to my mom and I said um you know so and so's like parents said this like why would they say that about did you understand people? what it meant as a child or you were just like I think I think in some way I think I knew that it was wrong mm-hmm. okay so it made, it made you feel a type of way it okay. made me feel a type of way because I then went to my mom and mm-hmm. I said why would they say that about this person? Yeah. And my mom in that moment had to, you know, explain to me, my small four or five year old self, Uh like like what racism is and that we don't, we don't talk like that. We don't do that. And I don't know. It's just like a very interesting story that like my mom has told me. I don't know. It's just that's so interesting and that's like so shitty that that's how like that was your experience with it you were at someone's home that you obviously felt safe in like as a child like I couldn't imagine like if Violet came over to my house like to our house and was playing with yeah. our kids and I was like is daddy Joel making a donkey or a cat for supper is you're that what done. you're have little cat nuggets in what world? I would sabotage Reclaim. <laughs> okay. This is going down a bad path. We have to let Nicole go now. Thank you for coming. I think that... I think we did it. Um, we had a good chat. Well, this was a good chat. And if this chat made you feel any type of way, that's great. If it made you frustrated, good. If it made you uncomfortable, good. Because... It should make you feel uncomfortable because if you feel uncomfortable, then you're going to learn things. You're going to change. You're going to, you know, search out information on how to make yourself feel less uncomfortable and that will lead to a better world. And that's, that's what we want. So raise your babies to love everyone's babies. And if you have a question about someone's culture or someone's experience, don't be afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to do your own research. Be kind to other people. And that's that's it. This has been Babies Bumps and Bullshit. Our discount code is going to carry over from last week, so bump 15. And if you're in the Saskatoon and surrounding area, anytime you are in the city, we are a drop-off depot for diapers, formula, menstrual supplies, postpartum supplies, and those will all go to a local group like Prairie Harm Reduction, Saskatoon Food Bank, or Moon Sisters, so Moon Time Sisters, I think. Moon Time, Moon Time so, yeah. Sisters. Um, so please feel free to we to accept open packs as well, um, and that's one more thing that we can we can offer, and we love to do that. So thanks for coming. Love you. Bye. Bye.